Hey everyone, uh, this is our second podcast. This week we start off talking about uh, truth, uh, kind of heresy and, and false teaching and, and what that entails and uh, what defines a false teacher and then it transitions into uh, talking about truth and scripture and uh, it turned out, I think, to be a pretty good uh, episode, pretty good conversation between old Rich and I. Um, I think I got the sound stuff worked out from last week. Uh, once again, uh, if you enjoy this, share it. Uh, encourage other people to listen to it. Um, subscribe. Uh, if you have any questions, email us at thercconversation at gmail.com. Uh, and here's our episode. What's up, man? Hey. You ready to do this? Yeah, yeah. So you have you have uh, you have topics in place? Yeah, kind of. I figure we just kind of go, kind of a little loosey goosey, and kind of see what happens. Um, I did have a couple of things though that I did want to talk about, and then we can just kind of go from there okay. and see okay. see what happens. Um, the first thing I was I wanted to talk about I was kind of curious about what your thoughts are of. Um, when we talk about someone being a heretic, like you see, um, like some of these, uh, popular big name pastors and, uh, we'll make comments here or there and, you know, different people write articles about them and why they're wrong. And, uh, I wanted to get your opinion. Um, does it take just one statement, one poorly worded or poorly thought out, a really heretical statement to make someone a heretic or could it just be someone who just makes a stupid statement? Let me, let me give you my illustration. Uh, I'm going to use him because I don't know anything else about him. Really. Uh, Stephen Furtick a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, whenever it yeah. was, uh, made some kind of comment while he was preaching. He was trying to explain how grace is greater than the law from, from what I can get. But when yeah. he was making this illustration or making this point, he used this illustration where he said that, um, if your child was hurt, you would drive to the hospital, no matter what the speed limit was, you would break it because you loved your child. And he likened mm-hmm. that to say that God loved us so much that he broke the law. Now that statement has, and he repeated it several times, that statement has a, mm-hmm. a ton of just really bad, bad things to go along with it. One, it makes God a sinner, which means he can no longer be God. He's no longer holy. He's mm-hmm. no longer perfect and righteous. He can no longer judge anyone because he's no longer uh, perfectly righteous any, any longer. And, um, it's a misunderstanding of Christ and, and what Christ did on the cross. And, uh, there's just so much wrong with it. And so I guess kind of in the vacuum, not knowing really anything else about him, um, and his theology, does that one statement, do you say, okay, well, this guy's a heretic because this one heretical statement that as far as I know of, he's never publicly backed off of, uh, or do you say, look, that was just, uh, a dumb statement. It was poorly thought out. Maybe it you know reveals that he doesn't comprehend or know that much about the Bible or doesn't know how to express it, but it doesn't necessarily make him a heretic. Yeah, that's a good that's a good topic. Very good. Well, and, we're, we're recording, so go ahead. Well, I think that 
a good point. Uh, well, I think that <clears throat> we got, first, what was what, what heretic? It's someone who is who once claimed claimed Christ, claimed truth, claimed uh, to be a believer, and now no longer are. So, I, I, you know, there, there has to be, a, I think, a walking away of the faith, like you are leaving the faith. You're no longer, you're no longer uh, claiming Christ. You're no longer Christian. And uh, so there's almost this, re- this refutation of, of the truth. And, you know, that particular worry, I'm not familiar with it. I haven't heard the context. I want to comment on what Burke said. I, I'd, like to, you know, I'd like to hear the context. I didn't. But I think that one statement um, doesn't necessarily make you a heretic, but unless you were confronted with the truth of the statement that they clearly and biblically is wrong, and then you don't back off of it. It's very concerning. I think that I think we, we all. I think we'll be very careful in labeling people heretics too quickly. Um, it seems like sometimes that we we forget what that really means. And someone's a heretic. It means that they are not only are they not a Christian, but they are an enemy of the church. Usually parading around as a friend of the church. You know, wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Um, so we need to have really a um, very deliberate and very thoughtful process of that. You don't want to throw that around too much. No, I mean, no. Has. Yeah, well, let me ask you this has, too. Yeah. Let me ask you this: uh, heretic is a word that's not in the Bible. It's you know, it's not a, no. a, a biblical term. Um, but the Bible does talk about false teachers, and then uh, sure. I'm thinking about in First John, he talks about the Antichrist or those who are. Uh, you know, apart from Christ or, you know, reject Christ. Um, where do those fall, I guess, on the on the spectrum of that? You know, could a, could someone be a false teacher uh, without necessarily being a heretic? Like they still claim to be Christian. They claim that they haven't lost, left the faith, but they're, I don't know, like, like a Mormon or something like that. I mean, they would claim yeah, to be well, Christians, I, I but... Think, but I, think, I think it's probably all the same, the same category overall. Well, the false teachers are going to be somebody who may not even, who who um, may never have. I mean, the false teacher may, I, I would think, might not even have claimed to be a Christian necessarily. They're just teaching whatever. False teacher, heretic is clearly someone who claims to be a Christian and teaches false doctrine. I mean, and 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 has walked uh, apparently walked the 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 path of righteousness and fallen fallen into unrighteousness, so to speak. So I, th- I, th- I think that I, th- I think heretic denotes that we thought this person was one of us, and now they no longer are. False teachers, I think, is just someone who's teaching false things. Yeah. Um, but 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 they have the ability to infiltrate church. Clearly, you look at the pastoral epistles. That's what First Timothy. That's what Paul's dealing with in Timothy. With people who are false teachers who who made the appearance of of. Um, Good teachers, big and old heretics, not in the Bible. They were they were heretics um, specifically there too. So I think I think at the end of the day, it's going to be they're going to be part of the same package deal. But but they and also I don't know a heretic doesn't necessarily have to be a teacher though. A heretic is just somebody who who you know falls into bad teaching and, and walks away from Jesus. That's a heretic. Yeah. False teacher is somebody who's specifically kind of the Lord of God. So I, I don't know if. It, I don't know if, uh, you know, the exact same thing. Um, 
Well, let me ask you this. You're a pastor, so how would you sure. uh, how would you handle it if someone came to you and brought to you that quote from Furtick and said, you know, is this someone that I should read his books or listen to his sermons? Yeah, I mean, he's Baptist. He's uh, yeah. Yeah. got a big church, massive church, uh, very sure. influential with uh, especially younger uh, people, uh, younger believers. Uh, do you say, uh, well, I mean, what do you say? I would I would say probably not not to listen to him. That's pretty that's pretty egregious, right? I mean, what, that that statement is uh, egregious. I mean, yeah, I mean the, the statement that that theologically and philosophically puts you in a really bad spot. I mean, you, if you believe that 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 God's grace is greater in the law, one it's unbiblical because we know that that God fulfilled the law in Christ didn't didn't cancel it. And that matters, right? That matters. That's not just wording. People think the wording doesn't matter. It does matter because because if he, if he just canceled it, it meant that he didn't fulfill it, therefore he didn't obey it. And part of Christ's sacrifice and propitiation is he perfectly obeyed it, not that he just ignored its consequences. So, yeah, it's pretty—and and I think as a pastor— we're the ones that really need to be the most critical of that because most, you know, honestly, even uh, unless they're very discerning, most church members uh, tend to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. You know, because there's so there's so much teaching out there. There's so there's so much input, whether it be on social media, whether it be on just you know regular radio or books or whatever. It's just there's so much teaching. So so really, we're the ones that have to. Be willing to be the bad guy if necessary to call, even even if I don't want to use the word heretic to say, yeah, this is bad teaching. There's plenty of other options out there. I'd avoid this guy. Yeah. All right. Well, let me ask you this: How do you respond in a pastoral way, uh, or just honestly, even in a lovingly gracious Christian way? Um, someone comes to you and says, "Hey, what do you think about Stephen Furtick and this one statement?" Well, just because he made the one statement, does that really make him so bad? Or uh, what about this uh, Sarah Young book? You know that basically she's making the declaration that uh, Scripture is insufficient when it comes to knowing God. Uh, you know, there's good stuff in there, and so you're just being kind of a jerk to say that uh, there's large flaws. Uh, and as a Christian, we should just be loving and accepting, and uh, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, uh, you know, you shouldn't call people out on the carpet, or you're just being mean, or you're being judgmental. Uh, how do you respond that's that's, to that? That's 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 a lot. I think well, I, I think one pastorally, there are times you have to be the bad guy at that. Just temporarily. I mean, I mean, we're shepherds, and um, <clears throat> just just because something is popular doesn't make it good. Sure, just it does. because everyone reads something doesn't mean that. And, and, and just to, and here's the thing. I have no doubt that you mentioned the Sarah, the Sarah Young book. Uh, which one was that? Um, Jesus Calling. And the thing is, Jesus, like I've yeah. read through through parts of it. Like she doesn't say anything that's necessarily unbiblical in what she's writing, but her introduction, her whole point is is she wanted to know more about God than what the Bible teaches. Uh, so yeah, in well, my mind, there's a flaw. Okay, and I've, I've, I've read through that book, and I think that. Are, you know, rhetorically, are there things in that book that are good? Of course, but I mean, the Book of Mormon takes parts of the King James Bible and uses it. 
Let me I recommend the Book of Mormon. No. <laughs> Just because there are parts of it that's good, that doesn't mean that you can't and you shouldn't point out poor teaching, false teaching, or heresy in the overall content. I mean, we, as pastors, we need to do that. No one else is doing that, right? I mean, no, nothing. <laughs> the discernment in the church, well, I think we all can agree, is that is at some sort of low right now. There's there's so much teaching available. You know, it used to be that if you went to Bible teaching, you went to church on Sunday. You get Bible teaching 24 hours a day anywhere. So it's you have to be willing to be the person who says, hey, avoid this. Here, read this. Watch this. That's false. And and how do people think it's logical? Well, some people may not like it. <laughs> you just do it loving kindness and mercy and... and you know, it just is what it is sometimes. The pastor, sometimes you have to tell people stuff that can be, you know, temporarily painful. But yeah. you benefit their souls for eternity. Well, let me ask you this. Why do you think, because uh, I agree with you, I think there is a lot of lack of discernment when it comes to uh, Christians, especially in, in the things that you read and, and, you know, the teachers that they follow. Why do you think there's a... Uh, a lack of discernment, really, among believers. Is it, is it a sense of, um, I'm going to throw a couple of options out, and you might not like any of them, but I'm going to throw them out. Do you think it's a sense of just we don't know our Bibles? Do you think it's a sense of we feel that Christians are supposed to be, because we're supposed to be loving, that that means at the same time being nice and accepting of, of everything, and so the floodgates are wide open? Uh, do you think of we just don't know any better? If Lifeway sells it, then it must be good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, well, all this, all this is a, you know, a broader problem that we've we've bought the idea that it's better for the church to be completely, I'll use the word sanitized to look as much like the world as possible, and I, and I mean, and, I, and when someone says that, we we tend to think, well, because I play that rock and roll music. music. Be the rock and roll music and, the, and, and listen to the rock and roll, and let's talk about that. We uh, it's expected us for for churches and, and, and to um, take every every political position that is popular. Every um, run churches with with you know a really uh, very corporate mindset. The church is, is a institution more than a family. So when that's when that's your underlying. It seem, and, and on top of that, kind of the loss of denominationalism. You know that the churches are supposed to. Do we have a, a stream of history that we're in, the theology that we're in? And that's kind of not popular anymore. It's almost a wild, wild west of church and theology now. So with that comes a lack of discernment because anything goes. Everything's available. There's no. There's no. There's no borders. There's no. There's. There's nothing. To um, and nothing's taboo and nothing's false. It's just, and part of it's just in America. We <laughs> we're consumers. We want to consume. We want to, you know, think how many times you've been told you have to read this book, or now you have to read this blog, or you have to listen to this podcast. All the RC conversations you listen to, um, mm. you know, when in fact, you know, the Bible you should read, <laughs> you know. But but we we're, we're such consumers that. Well, the more you consume, you know, after a while you get you get fat and you consume things that are bad. And I think that we're seeing that. We're just – it's just taking in information as opposed to really understanding what's out there. 
Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, you talked about uh, the the Bibles, what we what we should be reading. Are you? I know the answer to this. Uh, you wouldn't say that you're against reading any other book, then, right? Or you... well, no. As a matter of fact, check my Facebook page. Uh, I put a, a vlog up about the opposite of this. That no, absolutely not. But has to read is what is what someone emphasized. I recommend Christians should read classical fiction literature, called classic <laughs> fiction and nonfiction. I mean. Your Shakespeare, your Dickens, your Twain. You know, there's plenty of other classic, you know, works out there. Yeah, I do. Uh, and in classic Christians, you're talking to Augustine, Love Augustine, Pilgrim's Progress, and you can catch um, Luther, Calvin, all guys. Absolutely. When was the last time you read a book that wasn't 100 years old? It wasn't 100 years old? I'm, well, right now I'm reading Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, which is. About sixty years old. Yeah, I mean, I've read, I've read a lot of stuff in twentieth century. I don't, I don't think it has to be necessarily age that gives it. I mean, it's, it's themes, you know, it's broad themes that that, that, that teaches about humanity that I like. But I mean, the, the, the question was, has to read? No, you don't have to read any of those. Christians have to read the Bible because we have a a book that teaches us how to be a Christian and. Most Christians don't read anything, and you know, we don't kick it in, even listening to the Scripture, because the Bible is just kind of seen as a self-help book more than our, you know, repository of truth. And so that should be, I think, I think we ought to be careful in telling people that they have to read anything but the Scripture. They don't. Although I recommend other things, you know. Yeah, but just not on the level of Scripture. No, absolutely not. When you and then you find this, but when, when and, uh, okay, uh, this is not upset anybody, but this is why we have a podcast. If you, as a pastor or a Bible teacher, if you say if you recommend a book with the same uh, excitement, energy, or fury as you do the Scripture, that's idolatry. But I love, I love. Okay, I love reading John Piper, just like everybody does. And a lot of his books mean a lot to me, Designing God, just a lot to me. And I recommend it, right? It's a great book, in my opinion. Mm. And I tell somebody, you have to read Desiring God. It changed my life. It's the greatest book of all time, blah, blah, blah. But I don't have the same emotion for this in the book of Galatians. That's idolatry, period. And, and you see that now with so many people is... Modern books are coming out now, over the last 50 years even, become substitute scriptures for our, for our intake of our truth. And it's, it's wrong. If you were just to uh, throw out a random number, and uh, I, I best guess, I don't know if this isn't scientific at all, but uh, what percentage of Christians would you say uh, get the majority of their spiritual nourishment, I guess, from a devotional book or some other book that they picked up, whether it be good or bad, uh, versus the Bible? Like just from your personal experience. Well, okay, well, here's, here's the question. The question you're asking is not – the question you're asking is, is spiritual nourishment or do, or where do they get most of their truth from? Most Christians do not get their most of their truth and their insight from the Bible. They may use a devotional – always has you know, scriptures some kind of sprinkled in – but, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll take a stab. Um, 
I'll say 25%. I'm probably, yeah, this is probably a pretty liberal estimate, but 25% of Christians, I think, are some level of Bible students. Like some level of what? Day, Bible students. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, just, just, I mean, you know, a chapter a day or, or whatever they look like, or, you know, read through Bible in a year. There's all these plans. I just think that, I just, as I said, I have no, anyone listening here may have some stats on that. They're probably out there. And correct me, please, I'm wrong. I get it. They will, could be wrong. But anyway, they hold the tire. But I'm saying 25%. I mean, you know, no, that doesn't mean that 25% read the Bible. And, you know, I think more read the Bible. But the question is how many take the Bible the Bible alone and read it as as the Word of God that is to instruct them of how Jesus is and how they should be and how God is and sovereignty of God and the gospel. All these things we talk about, I say it's twenty five percent, and I hope I hope I am wrong. Okay, I hope I'm completely wrong. I hope it's sixty percent, <laughs> but I, I have a feeling twenty five percent is closer to being right. All right. Well, let me ask you this: um, the way people view Scripture. Uh, lower than it should be viewed or not as sufficient, whatever kind of wording you want to use. Uh, let's say that's 75%. Let's say that's legit, you know, doesn't necessarily get their, their I mean, truth. That's a, that's a, I, mean, I know, it's, it's just a guess. I'm just, but let's get. just pretend that it's, let's yeah. just pretend that yeah. it's right. Um, I'm too lazy to do any kind of the real legwork, so we're just going to pretend that 75% is right. Um, why do you think that is? Do you think that that falls on... Uh, the pastors, the leadership of churches who have done a a poor job of holding scripture up as uh, as essential. I mean, honestly, you look at a lot of uh, churches, even from traditional to contemporary to big to little, you see so much focus on um, topical series. Not that that's necessarily wrong, but that's so filled with a lot of stuff other than scripture that, that scripture is really downplayed in a lot of churches. Uh, so do you think that's what has the biggest impact, or do you think it's just churches not teaching people how to study their Bible? Uh, it's just easier to read something else? Because honestly, you could read anything from Max Lucado to John MacArthur to A.W. Tozer and not get as convicted as you would as if you read Scripture. Uh, oh, cool. Well, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a lot harder as a believer to read Scripture, not because it's tough to understand, sure. but because when you read uh, Scripture, I mean, a lot of times you've got to sit down and look in the mirror of who you are. And that's not always a fun thing to do. Uh, it's also well, I, I don't know if you can, but but one thing I think look, that that won't be added is a lot of times when you read if you read through the scripture, whether it's just if you're reading through a plan or a book or whatever whatever the plan is, not every every reading or every day isn't exciting. You, know, you don't get that 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 little feeling in your spirit that okay I have a I have a word from God today so I'm going to conquer the world or slay a dragon or fire a giant or whatever people want to have. That's doesn't always happen, right? And sometimes I, mean, I was reading a boundary plan, I, I was I was in and I've been in Leviticus. I mean and I understand the context of Leviticus and how you know, how Leviticus plays into into the law and grace and the cross and, and I you know I I understand the context. It drags on. It just does. I mean, it does. It, it, I mean, it does. It does. That's it is. It is one of the fifty-six best books ever written. Okay? I mean, I recommend it. And the Levitical scholars are out there. I'm not. I'm not dogging Leviticus. It's a great book. But the point is that it does drag on, and and it's hard to have a takeaway. 
I need a takeaway so I can apply my life today. Because because and I think it's because we think of the Christian life as a fire more than as a tree, right? That, that's that's the imagery we always have is that we want to be on fire for God and go out and to uh, make a difference as we should. I'm all about ministry and evangelism and serving and helping and 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 walking with God and, and doing what's called to do as, as light and as witnesses. But the the more accurate metaphor of the Christian life is that of a tree. So you plant it by streams of water, and, and in time you'll grow, and in time you'll be nourished, and in time you'll you'll bear fruit. And that and that means that you read the scriptures slowly and methodically, and you go through it. And but we don't think like that again. So it goes back to our overall culture of instantaneous. We want everything to be instantaneous, and that um, to be a Bible student, not scholar, a student, it can't be instantaneous. And so. I just think we need to think more broadly, think longer term than just can I get my work for the day and go on. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, uh, let me ask. I want to kind of go back to my original question. Where do you think that some of that fault falls on? Do you think it falls on, on the church or do you think like pastors and leadership or do you think it falls on uh, just individuals? Well, it starts with the pastors. It starts with us. Yeah, yeah it starts with us. I mean, it's not just the pastors. It starts with us. We you know, the, the question I have to ask ourselves is when we when we preach or teach. Now, it, most, most nowadays in most evangelical churches, there's going to be some use of the Bible. It might, you know, it may just be a verse on a train, or it might be an hour long sermon. Uh, you know, exegetical work. But I mean, we have to train people to go back to the scriptures and to see if what we're saying is true, like the Berean Church, yeah, in the book, in the book of Acts. And, and much more is caught than taught. They learn by watching. <laughs> and so if, as a pastor, if we're standing up just sort of sharing our thoughts and then throwing a verse in there to justify our thoughts, and then we turn around and say, hey, I challenge the church to, to read the Bible in a year, and you invest in some kind of, you know, discipleship program to get folks to read the Bible more. That's good. But they know they're not <laughs> – they're watching you not make much of Scripture in the pulpit. So yeah. it starts with us. I mean, it starts with, are we pointing to Christ? Are we using the Scripture to do it? Is, is, is it about them understanding the God of the Bible? Or is it about our thoughts, as good as, as good and brilliant as they may be, um, and then we just use the Scripture to justify it? And people catch that. They know that. They may, they may not even say it, you know, but they know you're doing that. And then I think also that... Um, I think that people, I think because of that, people don't read the Bible um, or, or listen to it. There's plenty of people who listen to the Bible, and it's a great tool, because it's not made much of in churches. I think it goes, I think it goes back to, to the pastoral role. I, do, I, think, I think it starts with pastors. Not all pastors. People can be, they can be lazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can go to a church but, that and, preaches yeah. incredible exegetical sermons and still not Absolutely. You know, spending time in the Word personally, but I think that the the role of the pastor and the example and the illustration of the of the church holding the Word up uh, as valuable and important as an essential, I, I think that that definitely uh, has an impact. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a huge impact. I mean, I mean if you just if, if you just think about 
how. Okay, think about this. Think about when when you go to these bookstores and they have, and they have the devotionals. Now, some devotions are good, some aren't. Not, not broad brushing this. Okay, that's been devotionals that I've used. Okay, that's what I recommend. But it, people are starving for God's word if they're Christian. That's what the Bible teaches by itself. So so they're going to go to a bookstore and they're going to buy one of these one of these devotionals that promises they're going to get a word from God that day. And they they take it in, they like it, why stop? You know, if if the church has had, you know, maybe pastors that had a longer-term view of the importance of Scripture, that we live for not just today, but for millions of years from now, where you know, that eternal view, they're going to be less likely to want things that just, you know, satiate for the moment. And they're going to, you know, people are going to be more likely to want to read and take in Things and depth of scripture that lasts almost lasts over a lifetime, and I, and I think that it starts with us. It starts with me. It's a bathroom. I don't know. Everybody has to know. I mean, we, it starts with us laying scripture out as the fundamental truth of the Christian life. That you cannot walk with God unless you take this book in in some way, whether it's by reading it or listening or how else you can take it out. You know, and so I think that. I think it starts, uh, you know, I think it starts ultimately with the church, and that's where I want to hang out on it. I mean, I think that's that's what I want to emphasize, because I think if pastors really own that, and, you know, in a couple of generations, we might see better Bible students in the pews. Yeah. I really believe that. Is your favorite yeah, devotional book the Andy Griffith devotion? I do, Andy Griffith, and there was uh, Mary Tyler Moore and Dick Van Dyke were also <laughs> popular back then. And, you could um, you could make a lot of money if you wrote a, either a Karate Kid devotional or a uh, WWE wrestling devotional. Yes, both those would sell, would sell yes, a Mr. Miyagi and like a Undertaker or John Cena. would be a big seller. This is the second week in a row of a Karate Kid mention, so... Um, just, well, just, I just know uh, that's your favorite so, movie. I was going to go. Yeah, uh, I'll, 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 no, that's, that's fine. I was going to go there. This is for a lot of people who, who don't know us and are just, you know, first or second time listeners of the RC conversation. I was going to uh, go Karate Goonies, my, but, but I knew Karate Kid was your, your favorite. So Karate Kid won. Karate Kid was one, and I saw it when it first came out on VHS. So imagine that. I could be rid of the VHS player, the VCR. The VHS is a, is a tape for so many people who are not familiar. And it was a very movie, and it still is. To this day, I, 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 it's a great movie. And Goonies is top five. I'm not sure what the credit kid being your favorite movie says about you. But, all right, uh, I did want to ask you, um, talking about Bible reading plans and everything else, uh, what kind yeah. of Bible reading plan do you use? Do you use a plan? Do you just uh, yeah, sure. pick a book and go through it? Do you try to do Bible in a year? How do you handle your personal uh, Bible reading time. I've I've switched it up. I've, I've I had a plan where I read one chapter from every genre of the Bible over a year. Uh, so it's about ten chapters a day, um, and that was cool. But the kind of this difficulty there was you 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 got a good sweep of the scripture, but you never were in a chapter in a book of the Bible every day enough to really get the context. So now I've kind of um, adopted the plan I've heard from John MacArthur for years that the I've kind of uh, gone with where I pick a book of the New Testament and First Peter right now, and I read it every day for a month, just right through slowly. And then in the Old Testament, I pick uh, I, I pick all the genres of the Old Testament, the different you know, uh, just the, the history, 
poetry, wisdom, the five, five or six chapters, and I read one chapter from each of those genres. And then on top of that, I always read one chapter in the pastoral epistles every day. So I can yeah. do them. So today I was First Timothy 3. Yeah, so, you know, and being a pastor, that's kind of part of, you know, part of the our expectations. So yeah, it's about twelve chapters. That, that could be a lot. That it's a lot of time consuming for a lot of people. But you know, there's so many. There's so many plans. They read, read the Bible in two years. You know, with a couple chapters a day. I mean, there's there's so many plans. But I mean, it is it can no longer be seen as optional for Christians to read the Bible. It, it shouldn't be optional. And that's the thing because we have the ability for everybody to have a Bible. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's so many translations. You get it for free. Um, you know, it's just it's there's there's a there's a um, there is a store that raises funds for our, our gospel mission here in Sioux City. And if you go in and you need a Bible, we get a Bible to free because people donate them there. <laughs> it's just not hard to have one. And so so access access to information is really our problem. And so it's it's valuing that information that's our problem. So I think it's just it needs to be starting from the pastoral role. It has to become. The, the most important thing for your church is do you pe- do, do your people read the Bible, not a devotional, not you know notes from your sermon. Although I hope they do that, but they read the scripture for themselves. It is so important. Yeah, uh, going back to Bible plans, I had tried to do those read the Bible through a year things, and I know you said you read twelve chapters. That's just too much for me for my. Uh, yeah, my, my, yeah, my little brain to to really like. I would read all that and and read it through the years, not twelve chapters. It's probably more like what four, five, six, seven, something like that, depending on the day, depending on the passage. I think you're reading about three and a half. Yeah. Uh, and it was just almost like not information overload, but I read so much that I just couldn't. Uh, I don't know, like I wasn't retaining anything. And then a couple of months yeah. ago, I heard I was listening to something by MacArthur, and he said that you know what you do, he'll pick a book. And stick in it for yeah. you know a month or two, and just read it consistently over yeah. and over. Yeah, that's so that's what, that's what I, I started right. doing, and man, yeah. it's so much better for me. And I mean, you know, sure. if you, if reading the Bible through a year is what what helps you out, or like you, if you can read twelve chapters in a day and 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 still yeah. you know walk away and let it impact your heart and your soul, that's great. But if you're stupid like well, I am, and, and, and you just you can't can take in that much, what, right? And, and when you read twelve, it's, it's in every section of the scripture. You're yeah. able to you go from you know you're in the storyline of the Bible, but you're going from section to section to section, so you don't your prayer doesn't bog down. So if you're in Leviticus, it's just one chapter of Leviticus. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know you're off you're off to someplace else. It's you know more interesting, I guess you could say. So yeah, you know there's, there's a lot of a lot of a lot of ways to uh, skin this cat, and I just think that needs to be valued as well. It also can. There's been this big myth over the years that. That we need, we have all this head knowledge and no heart knowledge, and you know that that, that dichotomy is so tragic. Um, because I don't see how anyone can look at the church and think that we just know too much scripture. <laughs> I don't know how we think that collectively that our worldview has been shaped by the word of God versus the word of everything else that's out there. Because it hasn't been. <laughs> you know, we need more intake. We need more sound theology. Because everybody is a theologian. It's just whether or not you're a good one or not. And yeah. so the only way you're going to have that for, for the church is to be taking in and loving the Bible. There's really no other way um, on an individual level. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's so important. All right. Well, good deal. Good, good talk. Uh, 
That's all I got, man. So, uh, I know your parents are coming uh, down tomorrow. Huh? They are coming. They're, they're on their they're on their way right now. We're going to see them tonight. They're going to Panera tonight. My wife wants to go to Panera. It's kind of, I like Panera. It's kind of a kind of a um, well, it's kind of a, a ladies' restaurant. My 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 wife likes Panera. What are you going to say? I've been following one. <laughs> I'm going to offend the people. I didn't mean to. That was that was offensive. It just seems like that's going to be clientele Panera. Um, but yeah, it's okay. We're gonna go there and see mom and dad. I think what I have been following. I, this is I don't know if you have any. You following the Brexit, the the, the, the Great Britain possibly the EU that interests you at all, Cam? Uh, I vaguely. I mean, I've seen what it's you know that they're wanting to leave the the European Union, and uh, I was gonna watch the John Oliver thing. I'm like, that's where I get my uh, political. Uh, Stuff, I guess. Uh, but I, have, I haven't read anything yet on it or, or watched anything or, or really uh, kept up with it. What They're just wanting to leave the European Union? Well, it's – yeah, I mean sort of, yeah. It's, there's, there's a vote. There is a vote, a referendum where it's going on right now up to, I think, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock their time. I think it's like 5 o'clock our time, so pretty soon – and by tomorrow morning, they'll would have voted. They would have counted the referendum, and it's, you know, fifty fifty percent plus one of leaving the EU. And it's a big, it's a big deal for America because um, the European Union is a is a large, the largest um, consumer market in the world, with twenty eight countries, and Britain is kind of one of the all of Germany, the big um, the big stars of Europe as far as economic power. And it could create a lot of issues in in Europe. It's just it's fascinating because it's going to affect everyone. It's going to affect the U.S. and it's going to affect Europe and the migrant crisis and everything over there. So I just uh, I you know I, I like keeping up with global politics, and this is much more interesting than I think of um, senators <laughs> uh, protesting in the United States and and everything else. Well, yeah, just you know, this is much more interesting. I saw a headline. This is about as, as deep as my knowledge goes with that. I saw a headline that said that a couple of other countries might be wanting to leave. Uh, the Union, well, too, yeah, kind of followed yeah. their thing. And then also, I think all this stuff would be more interesting if politicians, whether it be in America or wherever else, if they just kind of talk trash. Like, did you see LeBron after they got back to Cleveland, after yeah. they won the championship? He had a T-shirt, an Ultimate Warrior T-shirt. That's just funny. Yeah, that. Like, Absolutely. if, if p- politicians did stuff like that, I would be much more interested. Well, last time I checked, there is a Republican presidential nominee who is talking trash, and uh, looks like he may have uh, he may have peaked out. Oh, we'll see. There's a long way to go, but um, assuming, you know, assuming. Well, his talking assuming, trash isn't uh, funny or humorous. It's just kind of mean. Well, I mean, that's it, give give uh, Mr. Trump credit. I mean, it's it's authentic trash talk. He's not trying to be ironic. He's trying to be with me in a sense. He's doing a good job. Probably too well because it seems like his supporters are starting to uh, wane a little bit. <laughs> so we'll see. It's, yeah, I, I, I think that I think that'd be good. They, they should sell their stuff the old-fashioned way, you know, with like chair shots and, and a chain link fence. Well, chair. Well, I was thinking more specifically. Uh, yeah, chair shots or a duel, duel at ten paces. You know, a duel works. Yeah, I mean that, that'd be a very. Uh, very British or French way of handling it's very European. No, you mentioned yeah, you, know, you mentioned the whole thing with the with it's it, it is fascinating to me that no matter what happens here with the UK, you're gonna see other countries. I think it's five countries, Spain, Netherlands, 
I think France, maybe Germany, are all going to want to have their own exit votes because it's 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 a it's just a one going on here. It's very, it's very interesting how all that weighs out. And I don't have an opinion on it. Um, you know, I really don't because I think you have to be European or British to really understand this. But it's still fascinating. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been reading on today. Um, so yeah, that's kind of an interesting time right now. So you're not going to put a Facebook post up with your thoughts on the Brexit and with about 10,000 hashtags with it? No, I'm not. I'm not with the hashtag. It's hashtag uh, better with better with Europe or hashtag stay. I, no, I don't. I, I don't know what to think. You know, that's uh, like being informed on it. And it just—it's interesting that 82% of Americans would, would think that they should leave the European Union. It just sort of shows how how much we value our national sovereignty over over European countries. It, you know, it just shows the different cultural bin that we have versus the British. I think. Well, I wonder if 82% of Americans even know what the European Union is. No, that, I was going to say, if, if 82% of Americans could identify five countries in the EU, I'd probably be surprised. <laughs> I think it knows for a fact that, that, that I've seen polls on this that most Americans could not name the president of any of any other country. You know? Yeah. They wouldn't know David, they wouldn't know David Cameron is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they wouldn't have any idea. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know. Not that I know a lot about it, but I don't, I don't, I don't think most Americans are keeping up with the Brexit. Uh, although it is fascinating. It is interesting. Because this is the BBC and all it's always talking about. Sometimes you say stuff, and I just think, you're such a nerd. Well, thanks Sorry. for guessing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It's just the whole BBC thing. I'm like, are you kidding me? Well, I like, I like to, I mean, I don't listen to BBC all the time, but I listen to BBC today to find out what's going on in the Brexit thing. It's pretty, it's just, it's fast. It's, a, it's one thing we know, no matter how we look at it, it's a, it's a big world out there. It's globalized. A lot of people don't like that. A lot of people want to change that. A lot of people want to, you know, go back the way things were. That's never going to happen. So, you know, we might as well understand that stories like this affect us affect us as much as it happened in our own country. So, you know, there you go, Cam. Yeah. You're anti, anti-intellectual snobbery. I'm anti-Brexit knowledge or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I first saw, uh, like, a headline for something about it, John Oliver, I guess I saw, like, a YouTube link for him talking about Brexit. I was like, what is Brexit? Like, it took me two more days to even be interested enough to even see what Brexit meant uh, or what it was, what it was so you about. Get, you get your political advice from John Oliver, is that right? No, not advice. I just like watching. I think he's funny. And on, okay, well, yeah. and on oh, YouTube, fine. if he drops any F-bombs or anything like that, they bleep it out when I watch it on YouTube. Uh, okay. So they're funny. So, our next podcast right there, Cam. What, dropping some F-bombs? No. Is it okay for you to listen to stuff that you know, have F-bombs dropped out? Sure. I don't know. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah, you're good. All right. We'll see you later, man. Bye.